show <laughs> or may or is it or is it hmm oh, this will be the first time i have a bubble tea during the show oh no yes uh, have we Hell reached yes. that point of addiction yep pretty much well actually you know what i actually backed off of it for a really really mm-hmm. long time like a couple of weeks i didn't have any at all <laughs> and then a like, couple of weeks is a really really long time <laughs> that really is a long time for me though I mean, <laughs> it's it's a lifetime in dog years. You were going so often that I was afraid you were going to have bubbles coming out of your ass. It got to the point where people were literally bringing, because I do political stuff, um, people were literally bringing me bubble tea during our meetings if they wanted (laughs) me to be in a good mood. It was horrible. I could just imagine you walking out of a, you know, a field and people were like, oh, look at this little pile of bubbles. Was there a goat here? Nope. No, that was lamb. That's lamb. On his walk. (laughs) (laughs) That's horrible. <laughs> now that we've got the image of you shitting in a field out of the way, let's really get into this. Well, let's 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 modify that, right? Like, not only is it me shitting in a field, but it's me shitting pellets in a field. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I I picture myself with like these little baby antlers. That's really weird. I don't know why I personally picture myself that way, but that's what you got uh, now. <laughs> you you got what you wanted, Lamb. When you said mm, my weird side doesn't really come out enough in the show. It's coming out. Yep. So goat poop. Well, I've also I've also been eating food that has goat in it lately. Mm. And I feel like that's made me been eating Indian food or what? Yeah, Indian food. Um, and it's been just delicious. So Jenna and I have this thing for like anytime we see goat on the menu. So two things, right? Number one, if you have the balls to put goat on your menu, then it has to be a pretty solid dish. Yeah. Uh, and on top of getting like crappy goat. <laughs> yeah. There's, can you imagine what crappy goat would taste like? Oh, um, and then, and then there's, yeah, exactly. Um, and then the second half of that is, um, usually because goat is such a different meat, um, usually any place that makes goat is going to make it with a different spice palette than you would have for normal food. So it's always slightly mm-hmm. exotic. So it's, uh, it's been a win-win so far. Every time we've had, it, it's been very good. Have you ever had Buffalo? Or to be more specific, ground buffalo? I've had buffalo jerky. Okay. And that's it. So you may be able to answer this question or not. I've, I feel like I've had buffalo more than once, but I'm not positive. I know specifically like three weeks ago, I had a buffalo hamburger. I guess it's not really a hamburger. Buffalo burger. And I got the feeling that buffalo is sweet. Yeah, I get that too, actually. From the jerky, the meat was a little sweeter. Hey, you know what it tastes. You know what it kind of tastes like. It kind of tastes like if you took uh, beef and and it ate nothing but sugar cane all day. Like yeah. it's not. It's it's like an overall sweetness. It's not like an ingredient sweetness. I'm not sure how I feel about it yeah, because I also. I mean, the burger I had had like you know like caramelized onions on it too, which were probably sweet. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what in there was. You know, it wasn't bad, but it was just. Maybe I just I haven't acquired a taste for it yet, but I know buffalo is like one of the healthiest meats on the planet that you can eat. Sure, sure. So, I mean, obviously, most buffalo are grass-fed mm-hmm. because they don't really have <laughs> factory farming built around buffalo. Yeah, I mean, the, the 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 meat itself definitely had a different quality about it. Um, so that's probably from the the you know um, grass-fed nature of it, the roaming and. The- 
pooping in fields, actually. Yeah, pooping uh, in fields. Man, that's twice in five minutes. Yeah, Oops, I ended the last show talking about food. I started this show talking about shitting and then eating food. Oh, that's <laughs> I'm on a roll. That's, that's quality content. Um, you've mentioned this before. We're going to figure out how we're going to start doing this. Hey, if you guys made it through that part of the beginning and you're planning <laughs> on making it through any more of this show, we're going to start asking at the beginning of the show to go into Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. No long spiel about it. Just please do it. It takes like four minutes. And we look pathetic for a show that's been around for three years because I never ask. Well, it, it, it takes four minutes if you write a long review. It, it takes like 30 seconds if you just go, these guys are good or these guys are horrible. Whichever version of it that you... Because we want honest reviews, obviously. So if you have criticisms, I mean, um, don't get me wrong. I'd love for you to want talk honest to reviews. us first. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I would love for you guys to You talk guys suck. Like, yeah, you keep that one. Yeah, you guys are pure trash. Um, please <laughs> talk to us first and let us know how, how we can improve before you you plaster that all over the... Well, actually, by, don't even don't even bother. Whatever. I was going to say, by us, he must mean himself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know that. <laughs> I, I personally don't care. I mean, I, I've grown <laughs> working in politics you grow again pretty fast. Yeah. Oh, it's not me. I don't. I'm not worried about the skin. It's not going to bother me. I'm still going to do whatever the hell I want on air. <laughs> I just literally don't want other voices in my head. I've got enough. Like, oh, maybe we should do this. Maybe you know, so I got enough ideas of my own. I don't need other people's ideas adding to the pile. Did I end a sentence right when you were drinking water again? No, I think there was a hiccup in the time time space continuum. Uh, hiccups. No, the the uh, the Zoom thing. I think I noticed there was a weird pause in the middle of your sentence. Yeah. So we must have gone out of phase, or maybe it wasn't Zoom. Maybe it was reality. Well, my my um, my Wi-Fi connection here it's usually pretty solid, but for some odd reason, every once in a while, it's kind of wonky. Um, but yeah, that that might be it as well. We shall we shall find out. We've we've had far worse conditions. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Zoom Zoom kicks ass compared to Skype. So yep. I mean, I don't I don't know that there's any large moments since we started using Zoom that we've had robot voice. Skype. Mm-hmm. We used to have it every week. Oh, come on, Microsoft, do something with that money. These guys are an independent company and they're kicking your ass. Ah, oh, and the recording's built in. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it costs $15 a month, but whatever. Hey, it's, it's worth, worth it. it. Sometimes you pay for what you get, man, or you get what you pay for. Reverse I'm, that. I'm recording two to three episodes a week. That's totally worth it for 15 yeah, bucks. Totally, totally. Yeah, you're, you're getting your money's worth out of that, dude. I know. Uh, speaking of ideas, something that came up in the episode with Tom that I just like has blossomed into something that I think is really interesting to just kind of throw like dice into the middle of the show. You know, we're talking about these tent pole ideas uh-huh. and bringing in, you know, like that one idea. Well, I was telling him in the middle of the last episode that I finally took all these boxes and next cards and labeled them. So like I have three boxes. I have uh-huh. one, which is marginalia, which is all the facts, you know, short little facts that I collect from my reading that I think are interesting. Yeah. Go out in that newsletter that I do, which is called marginalia, by the way. I don't know why I never, speaking of not doing things, I never plug that on the show. Hmm. I can't remember what the address up for it is right now. You'll just have to go to show notes to find out. I'm not going to look it up right this second. And the other box is quotes and ideas. Those are a combination box because it's the smallest of the groups. And then there's another one of concepts. And the concepts are where I'm pulling these tentpole ideas. 
So what I did in the middle of the last episode with him is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pull a quote. And I just pulled a quote and we talked about it for like five minutes. And I was like, that was interesting. And then when we were talking after the show, people listening mm-hmm. to hear this, we we're talking about it. And Tom said this offhand comment and it just stuck with me. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, by reaching in the box, you're kind of living up to the part of the random part of the name. Oh, sure. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And I was sitting here and I'm like, you know what? I have this tentpole idea. Because what I was thinking, what I really want to do is these... I'm going to stop calling them tentpole ideas because I don't want it to just be one. Um, I want it to be at least two because I want you, as we've been doing, to add on to whatever conversation that I had with Tom. But then I want to start one with you that he adds on to so that you're not always coming up second on every idea. So that you get what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah, totally. So idea one, idea two. Idea two, you get the second conversation. Idea two, wow. <laughs> the numbers are getting mixed up. Idea one, idea two, beginning, end. So you get one the beginning of one and the end of the other. There. I said it in a there sentence that kind of makes sense. Ah, oh, you made it. So I thought that was interesting, but then I was like, um, I know what the one I'm going to have him finish on was, which was Tom's. I'm just going to start pulling the other one out randomly. I'm just going to reach in. And that means I'm coming into these conversations completely unprepared too, which is far more interesting. Yeah, sure. And then I was I was thinking about it too. I'm like, you know what? I liked pulling the quote. I'll pull the quote out. It's a shorter conversation. It's interesting. Sometimes the quotes are just something I think sounds cool. We mm-hmm. might not have much to say about it. We could talk about how the sentence works as writers. You know, like, oh, I like the word usage of this, you know, if it's not about an idea or something. Sure. And, I, and then I was like, you know, if, if this show is really about creativity, then this whole stack of ideas for projects that I have that I'm not doing because I don't have time to, why don't I just share those with the world too? Sure. Might as well. Why, why covet your ideas, right? You know, like I did it. I did it in an episode with Tom once where I said, oh, I just randomly grabbed a card and it was somebody write a show or a cartoon about an emergency room for all the villains, you know, where they all go after the heroes kick their ass. And I thought that would be like a really good like twist on like uh, Scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, it, you know, it was like the mixture of that in the waiting room and Beetlejuice. <laughs> That's what I had in mind. So I was like, we could pull these ideas out. And then, uh, I don't know, uh, we could we could play with that too. You know, like, hey, Lamb, if, if you had this idea, what would you do with it? Oh, here's what I was thinking. And then maybe that's going to get people out there to make something. So I think that'll be fun too. Yeah, sure. And all I have to do is have these two little black boxes in front of me. So now that, now that we, we're going to play with that, get that out of the way, um, do you have anything that you wanted to talk about? In this episode, um, in no, I like to I like to just go into these raw, man. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm like, have I watched anything recently that I would recommend? But not nothing that strikes me right now. So let's. Um, what do you want to do first? You want quote idea, the concept I talked about with Tom, or a new one? Which one would you like first? Uh, let's go quote. All right, here we go. We need like a, a shuffling sound or something like you know, like the the spinning wheel. <laughs> a little drum roll. Well, yeah, drum roll's kind of old. Okay, here we go. This is a quote from Patty Smith's book, M Train. If you want to talk about something to recommend, read that book. That's a beautiful book. We sometimes eclipse our own dreams with reality. Oh, man. 
What do you think about that? I have so much to say about that one. <laughs> this is fun, right? Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. It's yeah. almost like a game show. <laughs> hmm. We sometimes eclipse our own dreams with our with our reality. With reality. With reality. Oh yeah, it happens all the time. It happens uh, to most. I'd say most of us. You know the the the. Explain explain what you mean by it happens though. Maybe people are getting something else out of that. Well, I always I always think that that corresponds to a choice, um, and it's not a bad choice. You know, like at at every point in throughout the course of people's lives, they have a choice to to keep pursuing something with a forward trajectory um, or to pick a spot in which they're comfortable and happy and stay there for the rest of their lives. And usually, um, you know, there's, there's a bravery that's, that's a part of continuing to live a dream. Um, and the dream can the other thing too, is that um, I think that people misunderstand or don't misunderstand, but they misuse the word dream when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have dreams that are very young um, and lofty, like I want to be an astronaut. I mean, that's, if that's your dream, all power to you, but they don't give themselves room to modify that dream. Maybe I want to right. be an aeronautics engineer and design a rocket that will uh, be more fuel efficient so that we can launch more stuff into space and grow the ISS or get a mission to Mars in our lifetime. You know, like there's, there's, there's always a choice that people have at some point. And I feel like very few people modify their dreams enough in order to be able to make a better choice as they move forward. I mean, I know I'm guilty of that. Like, you know, I, 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 at some part in my, what my life wanted to be a famous rock star. Um, and I never really gave myself much room. It was either all or nothing. You know what I mean? It was either, I was going to be a rock star that produced bunches of albums and toured stadiums, or I was going to be, I was not going to do music at all. And not until like maybe the last three or four years have I really understood that, you know, maybe I just want to kick ass at music and make the best music I can. And people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. But for me, the, the goal has changed and the dream has changed. And I think that I've been doing that more and more and more um, with all of the things in my life. And, and it, took, it took me losing quite a bit of my life um, in order for me to realize that if I didn't modify my dreams, that I was just going to stay in this quiet hovel of, of sadness that, that didn't allow me the, the energy or the emotional space to do anything real. Um, and so it, the, the irony of that is the ability for me now to change my dreams on almost a daily basis in some cases, um, like with the political stuff, for example, I literally change that sometimes hour to hour because I'm so new to it um, that I have to give myself the room to change it. Um, I do so much more now. Um, and and, and it, it's an exponential difference in the amount of stuff that I'm capable of doing, um, both for the world and for myself. Um, kind of actually goes into one of our challenges um, from from the previous episode that uh, I'm now using challenges like that in my daily life and living up to those challenges has made me far more productive and far more forward moving than I ever have been. Yeah, I think that goals are... When we use the word goal, it's like useless, but challenge is just so much more appealing. Like I'm, I have a challenge for myself. Um, when I, so when I, when I hear this quote, I, I focus strongly on the word eclipse. So when I hear this, what I imagine is our dreams being eclipsed by reality. So reality is just coming in and completely blocking out all vision of the dream. And what that makes me think of, it, first of all, it makes me think of last week when we talked about uh, worrying about today, the tasks of today, 
and not enough of the dreams or the goals or the challenges of the future. And then it also makes me think of Mr. Holland's Opus, a movie that I've mentioned many times on here, Mm -hmm. where that's my biggest fear is that reality will eclipse my dreams, that I will settle. So yeah, I think that maybe I even have like a more negative twist on it where I hear that and go, shit, am I letting reality just completely block out my dreams? So mm-hmm. I think maybe that's... I mean, I'm probably thinking that way because I'm taking so much of a risk right now in my life on all of those quote-unquote dreams. Um, so maybe that's just a slant that I'm coming from presently. But that's, I guess that's how we interpret everything, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one. To that is resolve. a tough one. I mean, how? I wonder how many people fall into that throughout the course of their lives. I imagine I a lot. Most, I would say. Yeah, I, I would. I would. I think you'd probably be hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't. You could find them, but it would be work. You know, like somebody like an Elon Musk, maybe who doesn't operate with doubt. But I think the rest of us pay the bills. Sure. I mean, think about how many friends that we know, most of, most of whom who have been guests on this show, when they were younger, were in bands, you know, going straight to the top. You know, that's the way that they were looking at the world. And that didn't happen. So then they had to figure out life. But some of them gave up on music. Some of them are out there still slugging away at it which I have so much respect for. And that's what I think of. Like, I'm not saying that the choosing quote-unquote reality is always a bad choice. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, I think that you do have to face down that one will try to block out the other. Well, and I feel like as you get older too, like you're fighting two things, right? And like you're fighting mortality and time, which in some cases people will call the same thing. Right. Um, but you start to you start to have a sense of urgency about not having achieved the thing that you set out to achieve initially. So you look at certain people in our lives, for example, right? You look at a guy like John Miller and how he continues to fight. He's probably one of the most talented musicians I've ever met. And I've met some famous musicians. And the fight that he has to continue fighting in order to continually achieve is just harder and harder and harder. And that's, and that's at least harder psychologically. And that's brave of him. You know, like I actually have a lot of respect for his journey because it's such a tough journey. Yeah. Speaking of him, doesn't he have a new single out right now? I think so. Yeah. So uh, uh, plug in, plug in him as well. I don't know if it's on Apple music. I saw that it was on Spotify. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look and see what the name of it. It's something gloom. Is it Holy Dark Band or The Holy Dark Band? I think it's uh, The Holy Dark, but I'm not sure. No, I mean the Instagram name. Oh, 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 oh. I don't know. Okay. Anyways, when I find that, I will tell you. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> because there we go. On Instagram, The Holy Dark Band. The name of the single is Through the Gloom. So, guys, check that out. He was a guest on the show previously uh was back when i was doing kind of the what i've been referring to as the npr style episodes mm-hmm. but that was uh you were there for that remember we, we recorded that in uh cafe it's called with the t downtown cafe trias no that's in san francisco uh frascati frascati there we go not yeah. a t uh yeah you were there we, you and uh, Nancy and I, 
Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was like three, no, it was like two years ago. No, it was, it was like three years ago, dude. Can't be. The show's not three years old. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I have pictures from it somewhere. Um, he's, so he's in episode 51, which is how do we know when we're done? And then he's also in episode 57, which is kind of like six different people in that episode. Okay. So you have any more on that quote? Or are you ready to move on to another thing? I could literally talk about that quote for an entire episode. Well, what else do you have to say? Mm. <laughs> um, I think it's a daily choice. I think it's a daily choice to, and I don't think it's about following your dreams necessarily either. I think that's childish and stupid. Um, and, and don't, don't Wait, miss why, why do you think that's childish and stupid? Because I feel like you, as you get older, I mean, when you're a kid, uh, dreams are dreams. Dreams, in my mind, dreams equate to fantasies. Like I want to own a unicorn, for example, right? And like, that's childish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, or I want to ride a hot air balloon to the moon. Like that's just ridiculous. Right, But I feel like as you get older and you start to acquire more tools and you start to know more about the world and you start to gain wisdom, um, the two of them at your best, the two of them become the same thing. And I think that the, 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 the merging of the two or the convergence of the two is the, the circumstance that allows for people like Elon Musk to exist or allows it. And, and for people like you and I, for example, like we strive for that convergence point. And I think that that's, you know, if we talk about all the stuff we've talked about offline about where we think we would like the show to go, you know, we'd love to be able to tour the United States and go from city to city and pull artists and have these forum events where people come out and the artists perform. And then we talk about their work and we talk about the world and creativity. That is a dream that has a tangible possible reality. But how fucking happy would we be if we managed to pull that off? Or even if we were able to build the studio that we've been talking about for two years. You know, those are actually tangible dreams. And that's the convergence point of reality and dreams. And I don't think that that having reality find your dreams or your dreams finding reality is necessarily a bad thing. And I think as I get older, the more and more I believe that, the more pragmatic I become about my dreams. And I know that sounds strange um, because dreams by nature are not supposed to be pragmatic, but I think that's 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 a that's a, an assumption that people make because they they see they see the, the, the diametric opposition. They, they assume that the two are diametrically opposing. And I don't think that that's the case. You know, mm-hmm. like with the stuff that I'm doing now, for example, like with my challenge, my challenge, um, we're going to go all out of order in this fucking episode because that's this fine. fits. Um, my challenge was to find a piano. And not only did I go and find a piano, I found a piano that I've been looking for for a long time with the action that I wanted from the era that I desired it from. And it was a long, tough, weird search but I ended up being able to find it and now it's sitting in my house. And that's a dream that's attainable that leads me to be able to do other dreams, like to create the reality that makes other dreams possible. And so I think that the, the older you get, the more you have to give yourself the ability to use the tools at your disposal as an adult or the wisdom or intelligence or resources or networking at your disposal to make a lot of these dreams reality. But there's so many things that go into that. You know, the biggest thing for me is to allowing my dreams to not only modify, but to be able to break them down into smaller pieces that can then get me to the bigger dream. Yeah, it's interesting because my perspective when I began with this quote was a different way. But now I'm coming around to your way in the sense that I'm seeing exactly what you're saying. This is this is why 
talking like things like this are really important um, because I had a perspective and I was pretty solid on my perspective. But then actually taking the time to hear what you're saying and understand, oh, he's using that word this way. And that's not the way I'm using it. That's why I'm confused. All of a sudden, your idea has enhanced my perspective. In some ways, canceling out a lot of the negative parts of it. Sure. And, and what what I see in there, especially, is you know my initial reaction was to say when you said you know the dreams are it's foolish and childish to think well maybe maybe that's maybe that's what's wrong was my first thing maybe the reason that we haven't you know you're not a rock star and I'm not a famous novelist is because we think that and maybe the reason that John Lennon was John Lennon and Bob Marley was Bob Marley was because they didn't doubt it and they just dove all the way through it. And yes, there's part of me that still believes that, but that's not in contradiction to what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. In I don't fact, doubt it. Yeah, totally. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I, fact, I know where you're going. I feel where you're going with this already. <laughs> the only way that they were to achieve those things was uh, to let it collide with the reality. Absolutely. John Lennon and, needed to know how to play fucking piano and, and, and write songs. <laughs> And form a band, absolutely, and, and travel and the world and dynamics and, and deal with the logistics of touring and and handling a tour manager. I mean, people see the glitz and glamour of all this stuff, but I've been on so many different sides of that equation, especially when it comes to music. Now, like I've managed a band, I've worked in music, I've been the musician. There's there's so much shit that isn't musically rela- that isn't related to music that you have to think about as a musician right. in order to make it in the music industry, and a lot of it ha- doesn't have anything to do with it. In fact, a lot of it doesn't have to do with talent. Um, like, I mean, John, we keep going back to, or at least I keep going back in my head to the example of John and John Miller is single-handedly one of the most talented musicians I've ever known. Um, and he hasn't just found the right momentum or, or niche or right partners or right event, um, that's propelled him into the limelight yet, but it's not for a lack of talent. That dude is infinitely talented. Yep. No doubt about it. Well, one of the things that strikes me too is something that has been talked about previously before many times with you last episode with Tom. Um, I pulled this quote about this, about writing down your goals, like that it's important if you have a goal to put it on paper. And I related that to what I've always told you about story ideas. Mm-hmm. If you have an idea for a story, put it on paper because the moment you make it tangible is the only time that you can begin working with it. And I see that completely related to what we're talking about right now. When when you say, you know, dreams are foolish and childish, I understand what you mean. Because it is a dream that is just a dream. And maybe a better word for those things that nobody ever wants to use is a fantasy. Yeah, that's it's, that's better. Yeah. It's an idea that you have of something you want that you aren't willing to work for. Mm-hmm. You just want it to happen. I want to wake you know, like those how many movies like uh oh God. You know, go oh god part two you know like uh, with george burns and then there was tons of other movies like bedazzled uh the original the remake where people just wake up in a different life or like mr destiny which i mentioned in the episode with brandon they just wake up in a life where they have everything that they wanted they didn't have to work for it or people who dream of winning the lottery uh, I've read a lot of books recently or listened to a lot of podcasts recently, not necessarily by choice, but just kind of like what shows up in front of me, written by entrepreneurs, people like Ray Dalio, um, you know, people who have 
made, if anybody doesn't know who Ray Dalio is, he owns, uh, he founded Bridgewater, which is the largest venture capital firm in the world. Loaded. Um, but reading these books, the one thing that becomes clear is that it's reality that got them there. The yeah. dream, the dream is, is, it's like the blueprint, you know, like in a sense, and then maybe not even the blueprint, it's the sketch. You know, this is, this is the house that I want, but until you, you know, you get the plumbing and you figure out how to get the lumber and you figure out how to get the land and you figure the electricity or the electrical, that's the reality. So you gotta, you gotta have a plan to get all that stuff in. So yeah, you're right. They have to collide because you can't get that, that, that dream. It's a dream. I think it becomes a dream when you start working for it. Unless, you, unless you're working for it, it will always remain a fantasy. Maybe that's a good way to separate the words on those two things. I absolutely, you know, the way I think about it is this, and, and, and now we're talking about semantics. So let's, let's, let's be clear about, like with fantasies, for example, right? Fantasies are something you, you're right. Like you wish that some genie would appear out of a vase you brush across in an antique store somewhere and some dude comes out and grants you a wish. I would prefer um, it was a woman, please. Yeah, uh, uh, true. Um, <laughs> That's so, my fantasy. So in your fantasy, it's a woman. Um, in my fantasy, it's Will Smith painted blue. Um, mm, not not at all. No, Nobody would have known you had a deep fantasy about blue Will Smith. That's not blowing. We'll talk, we'll talk about that later. Um, but <laughs> but basically, the way I see it is this: I'm I, I I I have a lot of random fantasies. Like I'd love to go to Mars. That'd be sweet. And then I think about the reality of it, and I think of how much it would suck, and how I wouldn't be able to come back, and how Mars gravity is not the same as Earth gravity. So my yeah, skeleton popping out of your head like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and my skeleton would slowly like just disintegrate because earth gravity is what maintains bone structure. Mm. Um so so I I think in, from that perspective like it's not about what I fantasize about. Dreams are very simple to me and dreams the, the word dream itself actually has has no meaning when it comes to this when it comes to my perspective of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fantasies versus passions. And if I'm passionate about something and, and, you know, anyone who's known me for any length of time, including when I'm passionate about something, I'm relentless about it. Like, you know, if you take golf or photography or at at one point in my life writing, you know, jumping back into music again and the quest I've gone on to slowly rebuild my musical skill and repertoire, it's about passion and it's about the willingness to put in the work. And that's where the passion is for me. Like, do you eat, sleep and shit this thing? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, does your every waking thought consume, does it consume you? Like, for example, um, I love this podcast. I enjoy what we do with this podcast, but I'm not passionate about it like you are. You know what I mean? Like we, you, Tom and I get text messages from you at midnight with random ideas of things you've already done <laughs> for the podcast. And you're just letting us know that you're doing it. You know what I mean? And so that's what the difference is. Like, I mean, that's passion. That's true passion for something. And it, part of the reason why I still even do the show at all is because of how much you care about it. You know what I mean? And there's a lot to be said for, for that, motiva- that motivating or inspiring factor when it comes to other people. That passion makes other people passionate about things too. So I don't think it's about dreams or, or the word dream is irrelevant to me in this context. Fantasies or passions. If you have passions, fantastic. Kick ass, go full speed and let's see what you've got. Let's see if you have the work ethic and will to fight past failure in order to achieve your passions. Fantasies are whatever. If they happen, they happen. If you win the lottery, great. But you know what? I'd rather be able to kick ass at a Rachmaninoff piece that I've been fighting towards on piano for two years. 
I agree with everything you said, except I, I still, I'm going to go even to logistics again here. Um, and well, not really logistics, but back into semantics. The, the use of the word passion is difficult for me because passion doesn't have an endpoint. Sure. And it shouldn't. I, but I believe that what I'm talking about should have an endpoint because you need at least at, at stages. Um, because the problem with having an, a, a passion, we'll say, in my perspective, a problem with that from what I've seen, obviously not having <laughs> achieved a lot of success in the things that I'm passionate about at this point, but looking at other people who have, the people who are miserable are the people who don't set those endpoints to where they can congratulate themselves. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about this before. It's all about setting up small victories. Like you have to be, yes. almost all things like passion in particular, um, don't get me wrong, it, failing is a part of anything that you pursue with any sense of, of, of vigor or vitality. But you have to have momentum. You have to have wins. And yes. if you don't have wins, then it's fucking impossible. <laughs> yeah. So th- that's why like sometimes, I, I don't think you meant it that way, but if we just leave it out there for everybody to just hear it, Passion might not be the best use of the word for people the way they're hearing it because sure. they think it's just like this open field and it's not an open field. No, it's, no. Going if back anything, to your reality thing, it needs steps. Yeah, if not, if anything, it's it's a staircase. Yes, it should. Going back to where we started this, it should be a challenge. Yeah, and a, a big challenge is made up of smaller challenges. That's how you achieve a big challenge. You know, like losing. Excuse me, losing. 200 pounds that's broken up into losing 50 pound chunks and those 50 pound chunks are broken up into days of going to the gym and the days of going to the gym are broken up into exercise and the exercise is broken up into repetitions and the repetitions are steps yeah it's it's in my mind it's stairs floors and buildings dude yes no that's that's small medium and large um when it comes to to goals when it, you know, set about by passion and the passion itself is the willingness to take that next step and to reach that next floor and to find that new building. Yes. And the, and the reality is unfortunately for us, when it comes to these challenges, it's not as easy as it is in reality to go upstairs for us in real life. It's kind of like going upstairs wearing one shoe and one roller skate. Sometimes you're going to get up four steps. Sometimes you're going to fall on your ass and, go down two floors. Or it's like going through an Escher house, right? And like where some of the steps you think are moving you forward, but they're actually taking you backward. Yeah. Or upside down or... Yeah. And, but but you still got to persevere. You still got to, you got to bowie it out and, and fight your way through it. Mm, I like that bowie it out. <laughs> Did we just, is that the name of the episode? Bowie it out. Bowie it out. That's a good name. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was a good one. See, this yeah, card shit is, is working. That's really cool. I actually, I, I've never vocalized that in that way before, but I've been thinking it for a while. I think that's, that's one of the things. So um, forgive me, listeners, when I, I have to communicate things between my, my co-hosts sometimes because they don't have time to hear the episode before we record with the other person. One of the things that I brought up with Tom, which has completely slipped my mind... Oh, shit. Oh, Lord. What are you going to do? Uh, find it. Come on. Find it. I, I feel like... I don't even I remember. Like... Somehow, I don't even remember. I'm, you guys have to forgive me. I am fighting either a cold or allergies. So, like, right now, it feels like somebody has stuffed, like, a tennis ball in both of my ears. So, my concentration is <laughs> not on the top. Uh, speaking of a lack of concentration, um, I... 
So I've been at a golf tournament all day and I won't say that I'm, I won't say that I'm drunk, but I won't say that I'm not drunk. <laughs> so I might be a little buzzy right now, which I is noticed, probably why I'm speaking a little more like... I was going to say you're more talkative at the beginning for once. Yeah, I'm totally... I'm, I'm freewheeling today. I don't give a shit. You might Go need time. to drink every week. Yeah, I'm probably just going to drink like a shot of something or take like a, a gin and tonic to my brain as fast as I can before every episode now. It seems <laughs> to work really well. Yeah. You don't need the warm-up time. Nope. Yeah. Oh, I remember what it was. It came back yeah. to me. Here it we go. Came back to me. I'll ask it again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't so do that. The, the idea of um, well, now that I know that you may or may not be drunk, you know I'm going to fuck with you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the idea of pulling these things out of the box, it came from. There's this podcast called Think Again, mm-hmm. made by Big Think. You may have heard of them. Um, and what they do at the end, if they have somebody on, they play them two short, completely random videos. Um, they're usually like a TED Talk or a TED Talk type thing. So about like higher concept stuff. But it might be completely unrelated to the guest. And that's where kind of where this idea of pulling things randomly in is because by pulling those in, you start making these weird connections. It's like it's like writing with index cards in reality. When you if nobody's written with index cards, the beauty of an index card beyond being able to move things around is you can reach into a box and pull out three random things and go. How do these relate? And now all of a sudden you have a completely fresh idea hmm. that you probably couldn't have come up on with on your own because you wouldn't have been able to create the randomness of those three things. You know, if you think about it, like those games were like um, the improv games, are like give me a mammal and give me a noun and give me a curse word, and then now you have, you know, a, what I say, not a noun, a verb. Did I say verb? Verb. No, you said noun. So now you have a fucking humping whale. <laughs> you know, like, okay, what are you going to do with that? Or you have a, you know, a damn drunk clown. Oh, that's not very original. Never that's mind. That's pretty fun, though. Yeah, drunk clowns are fun. So, anyways, let's get another card. You, concept, idea. Uh, to clarify the difference between concepts and ideas, concepts are the big things that we talk about. Ideas are something that you could take and make something with. Hmm. Let's go idea because I feel like the last thing we talked about was un- talked about was unintentionally a concept. Okay. I'm going to have to. Now that I know the purpose of that pile, I'm going to have to clean it out a little bit because there's some other random shit in there that won't work. Okay. What's this? Okay, here's an idea. Think about this one, Lamb. Where would you go with this? A dying writer desperately writing, trying to get out as much as possible before the end of his life. Huh. What the hell am I meant to do with that? I don't know. What What does it make you think of? What do you... You know, like if uh, you could say, this is how... This is what I would approach. This is what it reminds me of. Whatever you want. There are no... Well, it, it, it makes me think of my own life now. I'm in the sense that like the older I get, the more I think about mortality. And the more it gives me a sense of urgency about making sure that I do things like... The weird thing is it, it doesn't make me do more stuff um, personally, but it makes me want to help people more. Mm. Um, it makes me want to be a better friend. Um you know, a better boyfriend or husband or, or, or musical partner or, or just friend in general. Um, I want to be good to people because that's how I want them to remember me. Um, and so I feel like in a lot of ways, like I'm, I'm much more grateful. Um, I act on my, on my care and I act on my love for people much more 
more consciously now than I did before. Like before, love itself was kind of a nebulous, like I care about this person, but whatever. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't have any, I didn't have any tangible course of action that made it so that I, I, I revealed that to myself and made it obvious to them. And so I feel like as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm doing that more and more and more. So for me, the, the, the novel, um, the writer, um, in this analogy is, is my care for people. You know, I, I want, I want the stories that people write about their lives to include me in a in a fanciful or happy or, or rewarding way and if i'm doing it right you know if I'm, I'm i'm achieving what i feel like i can achieve through that then i'll affect as many people as possible when i look at this card i think of desperation mm, sure i think of um god i hate using this term but fomo you know fear, <laughs> the fear of missing out uh, I see this person at a typewriter or a keyboard just desperately trying to capture everything. Like this belief that you can't... It's almost like he's... It's not immortality he's trying to achieve, but he's trying to encapsulate life itself. Mm. That somehow, maybe what he's trying to achieve is kind of similar to what you just said. Sure. You know, the sense of, of people remembering things of him, but maybe he's trying to capture every moment of everything on paper because he figures that's the only way that people will remember him. It makes me think right now when I say that, it makes me think of one of the most underrated films of probably the last 30 years, which is about Schmidt with Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that film? Oh man, I have, but I don't remember it. It is... It was billed as a comedy. It is not a comedy. There are funny parts in it. It is, in a way, it's a tragedy. It's just this incredibly beautiful film. I, I'm going to probably ruin it for anybody that hasn't seen it. So if you haven't seen it, maybe skip ahead like 30 seconds. That should be easy in the Overcast app. That's only one button. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if his, his wife or him, one of the two of them, his wife dies. That's, that's the whole thing of it. His wife dies and he doesn't know what to do with himself. And he goes kind of on this road trip and just gets... Into oh, it wasn't it with Holly Hunter? No, it was with Kathy Bates. Holly okay. Hunter, maybe, maybe she had a smaller part. I don't remember. He, somewhere along the lines, he gives money to uh, a kid in Africa. I think maybe his wife might have done it in his name or something before she died. He goes around and realizes pretty much everybody in his life doesn't really give a shit about him because he's kind of been a douche. And he comes back to his house at the end of the movie realizing that like, fuck, I'm going to die. And when I die, no one's going to remember me. And when the people or almost nobody's going to remember me. But when those people are gone, then the memories of me will completely disappear and it'll be like I never existed. Mm-hmm. And then he opens the mail. And in the mail... There's this crayon drawing from a kid in Africa. And it's like this realization, like one person will remember. Mm. And it's, it's a very beautiful film. So I, I think that it's important when I think about this, if I were to write a story about this, the reason that I would write this story would be to convey the message that bronzing yourself, you know, making yourself into a statue is an empty and idle pursuit. Mm-hmm. because kind of going along with what we were saying before, 
if you are focused on this fantasy, this thing up there, and even if you get too wrapped up in the reality of it, you can block out everything else in your life. And people might not remember your writing because, well, shit, we don't remember most writers, good or bad. We just don't. Yeah, maybe unintentionally that's that's where I'm going with mine too. Like that's why I want to be good to people. I want people to remember me, not what I did. Because mm. it's more likely that they'll remember me because I was good to them versus a piece of piano work that I, I did at some point if I was a fucking jerk to them. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and this what's what's difficult about this story idea for me too, that's complex, is it's also I completely relate to him. I look at people who are married and have <laughs> children. I don't have that. So this idea of the bronzing, <laughs> kind of my only hope. <laughs> sure. You know, I won't be remembered by children. I don't have any. Sure. So. It's, it's funny, the, the, the catalyst for this thought in my brain, like the, the need to be better to people. I'm going to bring him back up again, John. Um, <laughs> it, it comes from the time where I lived with him. Um. And I, I would try to do these fantastical things like, you know, help him do a video shoot or whatever it was. But I was the worst roommate in the history of mankind. because mm. um, I was, Yeah, I remember you thought he hated you. Yeah, I, I, I was going through a pretty shitty breakup um, and dealing that well. And I was so bad to them, like him and Kelly. Um, and I, that's, that's one of the... I don't have very many regrets in my life, but that is one regret that I will always hold firm to because of who John is and because of who Kelly is. Um, and it's been something that has rocked pretty much every aspect of my core. Um, and this, this, singular, this singular need to be good to people in my life almost completely comes from that moment um, in which I had a realization where I was hugely... It was very about Schmidtish in that sense. Um, I'm starting to remember that movie more and more now. Mm-hmm. Um, where those people... Like John and Kelly, I, I imagine like John probably is different about it because I have a long history with John. But Kelly, I imagine she she couldn't care less if I lived or died, and that makes me really fucking sad. Right. You know that that thought really bums me out because I'm better than that, and I know that I'm better than that. And and in that moment in which I was not great to them, I I I, I didn't realize it, and I didn't realize it until it was too late. You know. Hmm. And so there's that moment of looking back and realizing that, that the effect that you have on people is so much more important than anything you could ever do for them. Now, you want to speak about fantasies. You know what a fantasy is that we've all been fed, is that the mistakes you make, you can always make up for them later. Nope. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes nope. Sometimes you can't. Fuck with them. Yeah. Sometimes you have to live with them and they're, they're, they're stark reminders of the worst of what you can be. And I mean, I feel like that's... For for better or for worse, I feel like that's my situation there. You know, like I know with 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 Kelly as a good example of this, I I have a feeling that she's completely written me off, and that's something I have to live with, and that really sucks, and that's a shitty idea to even come to terms with in that sense. You know, but it's 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 a it's a stark reminder of how badly you can hurt someone, even without intending to. Like I didn't intend to maliciously go out and hurt anyone. I just was too callous to realize I was doing it. That's why I think all this, you know, we've talked about so many times that idea of a redemption for people mm-hmm. is so important because it's really easy to stand on a pedestal and judge somebody who's done something wrong in the past 
as if you had never done anything wrong. That it's like making an assumption that a person can make that they're always in control of the mistakes that they make. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that they're not responsible, but I'm saying that their control and, and responsibility are two different things. Sometimes the circumstances of our life make us into people that we don't want to be. Sometimes it's for a day, sometimes a night, sometimes for years. Yeah. When you look at these people that uh, go to prison, you know, who, who they were for years is probably not who they wanted to be. And then they get out of prison. They're not that person anymore. You know, they're, they're 50 years old. They've been in prison for 30 years for something stupid that they did when they were 19. You know, that's not the same person. And I, and I, and I know this, I have to, and the way I remember this stuff is by remembering the people in my life that I have, that I will never be able to um, rectify whatever rift there is. Some are, some are bigger than others. Some of them are just tiny, but at the same time, like, you know, like, oh, that, that guy was really cool. But somehow we ended up not friends and something, you know, like you don't even remember how shit happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you, you get in an argument with somebody or something, you're like, what, what, what were we fighting about? And why did we never speak again? I don't know, but I don't remember his last name, so I'll never be able to find him again. Sure. You know, shit like that. Or uh, ex-girlfriends, you know, like, I can't believe I said that. Or I can't believe I did that. Just dreadful things that you can carry forever. But you have to, like you said, you have to accept those things about yourself if you're going to move forward. I mean, I think that... I Man, this is... I didn't think this would be this hard for me to talk about. Um, well, this is a real ass episode. Um, there, there, there are just times where you can't apologize enough, where no apology will do. You know, where where the action that you took is has created damage that is unrepairable. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be something horrendous either. You know, for people thinking that, like, uh, a little. What horrible thing has he done? Sometimes it's... No, it, for me, it wasn't anything overtly huge. It was just a death by a million cuts. Yeah, that it's not like you, you climbed in bed and beat her in the face in the middle of the night. Yeah, just... yeah, yeah. No, no. But, oh. oh, God, that sounds horrible. But no, it was just it was just me being a fucking irresponsible shithead for a year. That's it. Right. I just didn't pay my bills on time. And they lived with me. So I didn't pay my bills on time. Like I didn't I didn't take care of my dogs. As I, I was just an irresponsible shithead. Right. And, and that... There, there isn't one particular thing that I can I can point to that that would define how much of a how much of an irresponsible fuck that I was, but that entire period of my life is just a regrettable and horrible period in which two people who had the best of intentions for me, who had all the hope in the world for me, and who fought for me in a lot of ways, and that's probably what makes this even sadder for me. Mm-hmm. Um, were the victims of me being the worst version of myself at the time in which they were hoping that they could help me to be the best version of me. And mm-hmm. that's the other thing that I realized through all of it too, is that... You're moving away and, and towards the mic a lot. Okay. That's, that's the other thing that I realized too, is that it doesn't... You have to choose to be better. People can't make you better regardless of what their efforts are. You know, regardless of how much they try and try and try to help you pull out of a, a, a dark place or a tailspin of some kind, you have to choose it. And that was a great example of it. I couldn't have had more supportive friends. I couldn't have. Like they were dream friends to me in that period, but I chose poorly. 
And that's the hardest thing to realize, especially about when you look at yourself as a younger person. Um, it becomes less and less as you get older because you know you're you're more mature and more experienced. But you look at a younger version of yourself. Sometimes you look at the responsibility for what you did, and you have to ask yourself: You're like, was I even capable of responsibility then? Sure. And sometimes the answer is no. Yeah, sometimes the answer is no. Like I don't. And, I think but I you're need still to... responsible for that. It's so weird. Yeah, it's super weird. But I, I don't. I don't. It's it's horrible because even in hindsight, I don't feel like I could have been a different person because that's not where I was. Mm-mm. You know. But yeah. I, I just feel so god awful shitty about it affecting people. The two people, the two people like them who I cared about so deeply and still do. I want the best for them, and I would literally do anything for them if they called me out of the blue and said, "Hey, man, we need you to come to Honduras and smuggle us out of the country." I would move heaven and earth for them you know but that's it's just not in the cards man it's really that's it, it just bums me out on a level that i can't even physically describe it hurts me to think about it no one lives their life without regret but what most of us don't ever take the time to realize is regret is a good thing regret is a good thing because it means you've become a better person if you didn't have regret it means that you never got better well, you that means you're—that means you're a fucking earth. psychopath. <laughs> you never moved past it. You're still in it, and that's you're actually still- the definition of a psychopath. By the way, I'm not just throwing that word out for the sake of it. That—that that means you have absolutely no ability to feel empathy towards other people. Like I feel, I feel like you're right in a very tangible way to me, in the sense that, like in that moment, for example, I—I I came out of that. They moved out. They were pissed. Kelly was beyond livid at me for being who I'd been for a year. And after they moved out and I had a week to sit there and stew in my own shittiness, I had that moment to ask myself the question, you know, so what the fuck are you going to do about this, dude? Are you going to be this guy? Are you going to be the person that lets people down like that? You know, like, are, is the worst person of you or the worst version of you going to be the version that you leave on this world? Are the, is that how people are going to remember you? Because if, you, if that's the case, then you might as well just give up now. Go move to an island somewhere or go kill yourself. You know what I mean? But if you're going to be better, if you're going to be smarter, and if you want people to think of you fondly, then you have to choose that right now. And everything that you do from this point on has to, in some way, be a move towards becoming that person. Right. And that was that moment for me. And that was, that was a tangible moment for me in which... Called maturity. The last, the last of their stuff went out of the house. And I had that moment where, where I had to choose that. All right. Wow. wow. Heavy episode. Holy shit. Wow. Look, look at what drunk lamb does. Man, <laughs> well, this is like real shit. And I remember the, remember the porch conversations we used to have? This, is, this yeah. reminds me of that. Yeah. Whenever you guys have heard him mention the times back with Brandon, who was a recent guest, and Carlos, this is what he was talking about. Um, all right. Let's go on to the one that I talked about with Tom. The deepness is not going to stop. We're just going to get deep on something oh, else man. now. Okay. Let's go. This is an interesting one. This is an idea that comes from Architecture of Happiness by Elaine de Botton. And this is not a direct quote. This is the gist of what he says. He says that societies crave in art and architecture that which they are lacking. Um, Ordered societies crave realistic art and and the escapism that comes from it. And chaotic societies crave the rhythm, harmony, and simplicity of abstract art. 
So my question is, what about us as humans? Do we crave and find beauty in that which we lack? Things, things that are beyond us or that we don't have? Do we seek those things out and call that beauty? Um, I think it all ties in. Um, everything that we've talked about ties in. It depends on how much you're, how much of a pussy you are, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, There's the alcohol. Yeah. If you <laughs> if you sit there if you sit there and fantasize about bullshit that you want to do, then you probably want that thing that you want to do. If you're doing the things that you want to do, then you probably want to see the other perspective. Um, like with me, for example, I I find that I'm in a place now where I'm calm enough that I want chaos again. So I listen to music and watch movies and, and, and read things that are chaotic. Like I've been jumping back into Murakami, for example. Um, so I feel like because I'm stable, I want the unstable to give me the other perspective. So definitely, I didn't consciously think of, of me actively doing that until this very second, but I definitely have done that. Well, like uh, one of the examples I gave Tom was when I was a more irresponsible person, Mm-hmm. Um, didn't pay my bills, you know, all the kind of stuff we've been talking about already. The women that I dated and that I was attracted to were super responsible. Mm. Almost as if, you know, you're walking around like Swiss cheese looking for things to plug the holes. Sure. You know, you make friends with this person because they have this quality. I don't have that. This person has that. I don't, you know, it's not as, as conscious as that, but I do feel like we do that. Tom didn't seem to think that he did it in relationships. I 100%, which is probably why they haven't worked out because I'm not, there's a, almost like a subconscious uh, usury there mm. where, wow. you know, you're looking for people to salve wounds instead of uh, be people. Interesting. It's like an objectification, non-sexual objectification almost. Wow, I've never thought of that before. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't do that in relationships. You can also find someone too much like you too, by the way, which has been the failings in some of my relationships. Mm, what do you think that craving is then? Um, if you have a lot of chaos in your life, then you want you want to not have to guess. Um, I think it works great in friendships. I just don't think it works great in relationships because you see the person too often and they're too much of a mirror. Um, I don't think I've ever made a friend that was like me. Oh, I have I have one friend in particular that is extra. We like basically share a brain. Yeah. Um, we have the same musical taste. We have the same artistic taste. We have the same reactions emotionally and physically to things. Um, so we're basically mirror images of each other in a lot of ways. And it's the first time I've really had a friend that's really that close to who I am um, when it comes to certain things. And it's very odd. Um, but I don't think that in a relationship it's very healthy because then you have too much. You have too much of a, a reflective mirror back at yourself. You see your strengths and your weaknesses with such glaring clarity that sometimes you get crippled by them. Um, and you see, yeah, I think I'd be repelled by it. You see your shortcomings in the other person in the same way that you have shortcomings. And so because of that, you almost become judgmental of yourself and the other person for having that weakness still. It's very odd. Mm. I definitely, I've seen, now that you say that, there are certain things where I find myself being very judgmental of someone about a choice that they make. Mm. And the choice it, almost always when I, when I really dig into it is because the choice is a reflection on something that I did before of course. That, I, that I regret. <laughs> of course it so is. Like, Oh, you're going to go, you're going to go do that. Mm-hmm. 
mm, now I'm judging you or who I'm really judging is past me. Of course. Uh, and that, that's got to be the difficult thing about being a parent too, because I'm sure parents do that all the time. Or they want their kids to be better than them in the thing that they were bad at, which is also in its own way damaging. Mm-hmm. Well, what I think of is young moms who see their daughters about to repeat the same thing. Oh, yeah, sure. Going, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't. Why did you go English on that all of a sudden? I don't know. For fun. Don't you fucking do it, Chad. Don't do it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that one's that, that, that craving thing is very interesting because I think that... I, I think that... The more you dig into that, mm-hmm. the more you realize how hard it is to break out of self-centeredness. Now, people think when they hear the words self-centered, that it means selfish mm-hmm. or self, you know, narcissistic, that you love yourself. You could hate yourself and be self-centered. Self-centered means you think about yourself and how everything relates to you and you rarely step outside of your own perspective to say, what does that person feel like right now? Mm-hmm. And I, obviously not in the sociopathic way, but most of us live self-centered lives and, and especially in this internet era of, of history because that's how it invites us to look at the world. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Is it worth a picture right now? You should take a picture and share that because people want to know that because you're important. Not that you're not, but that's what they're selling you. They're selling you to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this way, this filter almost of how you view the world. Not just that. Obviously, this existed way before that. And I think people were probably just as bad and they blamed on TV before. Those are just manifestations of the whole thing. But the reality is, it's really hard to step outside of that. You know, I, I used to have those daily questions that I asked myself. I'll pull them up every once in a while when I feel I need it. And one of the questions, if you remember, was, what have you done for someone else today? Hmm. And that's, 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 like a, that's like a wedge. It's just a little tiny wedge to crack something open to crack open that perspective into another world. And that other world is outside yourself. And I think that, you know, like if we're continually trying to fill holes in ourselves and trying to uh, create wholeness through the use of other human beings, we're never going to get there. Because that's the big hole. <laughs> the biggest hole of all is that we're wrapped up in ourself and our our own little reality. Sure. Oh, let's get another random card. Wow. This card thing is crazy. It's wild, isn't it? I need to make more because we're going to run through these pretty quick. Oh, not that one. Oh, that's a weird one. <laughs> I like that you said that before you even read it out loud. <laughs> I didn't read that one. <laughs> I grabbed the one behind it. Uh, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is a totally opposite direction. It'll be interesting to see how we connect this. This is this is where the random really comes in, Lamb. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this, is, this is something from... Uh, I've been rereading Jane McGonagall's book, Super Better. 
And what she says in there, she says that studies show that when people watch a game, they don't even have to be playing it. When they watch or play a game in which the avatar is meant to look like them, Mm. that if they watch that avatar that looks like them exercising, they are actually more likely to consistently exercise. Well, weird. Something about the mirror neurons of like lamb watching a little cartoon lamb run blocks makes you want to run block uh, run laps. So what does it say then that I... Because I, I feel like a lot of people do that, right? Like they, they use their avatars um, both in games as well as in other things to represent the version of themselves that they want to be. I don't do that at all. Mm-hmm. And I've played a, you know, I've played some MMORPGs, like I've played Warcraft and I've played, you know, all of these other games. I try to pick something as opposite to myself as possible. So I'm never like a big barbarian or like a, a slick spy or something like that. I always play, I, I almost exclusively play female characters, number one. Um, and number two, I always build characters that are inherently different than who I am as a person. I just make characters that I think look badass. <laughs> You know, yeah, I, go, I go for characters that I think, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm a big nerd, so I make up backstories for all my characters. So I always come up with my own, my own narrative as to how that character got there because the difference in perspective makes it fun for me. I almost exclusively will pick the sneaky character. You know, like the, if you're going to look at the Rose. Avengers, yeah, yeah. you're going to say, which Avenger did Chad design? It would probably be Black Panther. Always pick the rogue mm-hmm. or I always pick the thief. Yeah, rogues. Yep, yep. That kind of stuff. I like rogues. Rogues are fun. Dark Elf, yes. Yep. Hell yes. Absolutely. Demon Hunter Dark Elf in uh, Diablo was one of my favorite looking characters of all time because there's like this dark, badass chick with like a bunch of weapons that was really, really cool. There was this awesome game that I can't remember what it's called. It was like a... Oh, you know what? Something Knights. Um, it was an EverQuest game mm-hmm. back on... I think PlayStation 2. Man, that's way back. Holy crap. I really... It was... I don't remember. I think I rented it or something. But I played it for like three days and beat it and returned it. And in the game, I think it was one of the first games where I got to like really design my character. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I think about that game all the time where I'm like, dude, I wish I could play that game again and see if it's as cool as I remember it. Or, you know, like you just have this weird thing, you know, like if there's Skyrim, you can totally do stuff like that. But this one game, for some reason, sticks in my head. I don't remember what it's called, but I could probably find it for the show notes. Oh, interesting. But going back to, to the card, this, this idea of the mirror neurons got me thinking. So if you're watching, um, if I'm watching a little cartoon Chad do sit-ups... And that means that I'm more likely to consistently exercise. I'm more likely to do sit-ups. What does that mean when you watch an avatar that looks like yourself, cut off somebody's head, put a bullet through their head? Whoa. Right? What does that mean? Yeah. Huh. So that's... that's like I realize this card is, is, is kind of a dead stop in the sense that we can't really answer that question. We're not researchers, but we can ponder that. Because I do, I do think that if that's true about the exercise, then you have to ask that question. Yeah. Wow, and that's it, crazy. It makes me think of school shootings. 
a lot of these kids that do these school shootings are playing those kind of games. Or and, even uh, the, the shooting in, at the Gilroy Garlic Festival. Oh, it turns out terrible. that um, we, we actually know someone um, whose niece was killed and she was a 13-year-old. Oh, no. Yeah. And there was a six-year-old killed. And I mean, don't get me wrong, that's god-awful as well, but it brings it home when you know the person. Right. Yeah, I thought it was um, surreal seeing the president of the United States use the word Gilroy. Mm. Like, oh, that's, you know, like here, you hear San Jose all the time because it's a bigger city. But like that, that kind of hit me for some reason where I was like, whoa, this thing here and this little thing that, you know, you think like, oh, only people from here know Gilroy. This horrible thing was so horrible that it literally reached across the country. Mm. powerful yeah that's crazy but yeah i did i not to pass over that i just don't want to talk about that um it's it's still pretty fresh yeah and there's not much to say about it either right we don't know shit yeah. about it and that's we're true. not a new show yeah yeah I, w- I wonder about what other ways that you could manipulate the mirror neurons and you know i guess i have i haven't really explained what mirror neurons are uh, which is interesting because I have a very cursory understanding, but essentially it's the same thing where if you sit across the table from somebody and they lean their hand, their head into their right hand and you do the same thing and then they sit back and cross their legs and you do the same thing that on a subconscious level, they start to feel more comfortable with you. Mm. Salespeople have tried to manipulate this for decades. I'll tell you another person who's tried to manipulate it, me. And I've been doing it for 20, 20 some odd years. And the the version of it for me is photography. Um, If I want someone to make a certain facial expression or do a certain movement, I will do it. Mm. And like, if I want someone to smile, I can't just say the word smile. I will, I will create the smile that I want for them with my own face. It's what makes me um, able to control my, you know, I've had, Plenty of models that I've worked with tell me that I would make an excellent model, not because of how I look, but because of how well I know how to use my expressions and my body. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that totally works, by the way. Like if you do a certain expression and you want that person to do it, if you do it at them, the likelihood of them being able to do it is tenfold. I mean, it's night and day. That's why they say like one of the basic, most basic actions you can do for general kindness is to walk around with a smile. Sure. And smile at people because you're making them smile. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're, it's like paying it forward. Like I'm in a good mood. Now you're in one. Now you're in one. You know, maybe just for a second, a couple seconds. You know, there's there's also this whole science about the connection between the brain and and the body. And they say that uh, the pathway between the brain and the part of the body is two ways, and your brain doesn't know the difference. So, for example, I feel good, and therefore, I create the action of smiling. But then it also works the other way. I smile, and my brain goes, oh, we're feeling good. So it's like a hack to put yourself into a better mood. Um, Tony Robbins does a lot of this stuff where it's like, oh, pull back your shoulders and stand in, stand in a more of a power stance, and you'll feel more confident. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of science hinting that these things are true. To what extent? I don't know. 
but that that's interesting when you think about in the in the perspective of a world that's about to go into virtual reality sure where these avatars and, and the effects that avatars can have is something we're going to have to think about a lot more yeah and i i imagine as i mean like the what's the name of the program that makes the fake faces face the face app Right. Um, yeah, but there's an actual like. This, so the Face app is the phone app, but I'm talking about like the actual. There's a there's a program out there that Google developed that make that can mimic a person almost completely. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. The, by uh, the way, nobody used that Face app. But it's, that's it's created by Russian hackers. Yeah. No. Totally. Um, yeah. Which is why I resisted using it for so. I mean, I still haven't used it, um, but I, I downloaded it before I knew that. Yeah, and um, it's not a conspiracy theory either. This is verified. Yeah, but that it's so good at mimicking expressions. I'm talking about this Google app um, that it's it's scary. Like what level of of I don't know I, I, personal intrusion. I don't know what better way to put it than that. Um, but it's super scary that that's possible now. Well, you know, it's the same thing that you're going to start seeing a lot of with the uh, deep fakes and all that shit, mm-hmm. where. Reality is really is going to be something you're going to have to choose. <laughs> sure. Well, the, the thing that terrifies me when I think about the avatar stuff, like, but even actually beyond the avatar stuff, virtual reality stuff, what does it what is it going to do to the human brain to play a game like Call of Duty when you're no longer watching it on the screen, but it's literally you holding a gun? And killing people. Oh man, that's a question. Why is nobody fucking talking about that? That's an important question that we should be asking. Like, we could be be creating a whole world of sociopaths. Like, shouldn't somebody be talking about this? We don't know what that effect's going to be. I can't imagine it's good. I know that if you ha- if you had somebody who has PS- PTSD from war, and you put them in that situation, you'd fuck them up. So obviously, that's going to have an effect. Oh man, I can't see that being good. I can't see it being good either. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not one of those people who I I never really think that movies or or media in that sense. Here's the thing, right? Like, I think the the better way to think of it, at least in my mind, is the the like playing all these games and doing all this stuff without proper guidance from parents or whatever it may be might lead to what you're talking about, which is the end result of people basically being socio or psychopaths, depending on whether they become more impulsive or emotionless and non-empathetic. But it's it's hard to conceive of a world in which we have enough cultural development or understanding to be able to train our kids properly to take those things well. Right. Well, I think the thing, you know, bringing up movies and stuff like that, from a psychological perspective, there's a vast difference between watching a movie where another character is doing those things, you know, uh, gunfights and knife sword fights and all of that stuff, and literally doing it yourself mm-hmm. and being inside of it in a way that only functions because your brain cannot differentiate between that and actual reality. And that's the thing, virtual reality exists, is predicated upon 
the concept that your brain can't tell that's not reality. Sure. So that is a whole different fucking egg completely. You know, this isn't the argument of like TV makes you violent. This is the you're literally going through and killing things. At what point (laughs) do you stop doing it in the game and decide that it's acceptable everywhere else? Sure. And how does your brain ever learn where that line is? You know, maybe it's gray. Maybe we should be asking that question. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's completely fine and it's completely healthy. I don't know. But I think that's a topic that should be at least being discussed out there. Especially as, you know, they're going to, you know, they're just going to start throwing the shit at us real fast. Mm -hmm. And you look at video game consoles, how quickly they come and go. Like, oh, this, this, you know, the Wii. Uh, Well, I I finally got a Wii. Oh, they don't make Wiis anymore. (laughs) They got to sell as many games as they can in like two years and then they make a new console. Yeah. So when that virtual reality comes out, they're going to sling everything they can. Yeah. And it's going to come hard and fast and it's going to be as intense and gnarly as possible for the short period of time in which, because obviously that business model and that business cycle is now pretty well defined. So, you know, if they, they learn their lessons from the past, they're going to come out hard. You know? well, the problem with these, with technology, the arguments with, with new technologies is, you know, I could say, oh, here's things we should be worried about. And then people go, yeah, but, you know, like if you're paralyzed, you could still go to Paris because of virtual reality. Those are, yes, those are true. But all new technologies are a blade. <laughs> you know, there's a the flat side where it doesn't cut you. And then there's the other side that rips you open. Mm-hmm. They all come with both of those parts. The television, radio, guns, knives. You know, there's a basic technology, a knife. This is awesome. I can finally cut this meat. I can also stab my brother. Mm-hmm. They all come with both sides. Sure. But you got to think about those negative sides and stop just slinging the positives because it's not to stop those things from being developed because the truth is you're not going to stop it. Yeah. But the world, there's a, there's a certain momentum to technology that is literally beyond human choice. It just happens because it's possible. Yeah. But if you don't think about those things, you don't, you're not able to prepare for the negatives. You get caught off surprise, you know, by surprise. You know, if you if you vote for somebody and you only think the positive of them and you don't think the possible negatives of them, then when they do something wrong, you're not prepared for it. Yep, which defines uh, why certain relationships go wrong. I know that's uh, why my last relationship went wrong. Oh, that's a great example because our heads was, are asses when we oh, get completely head relationships. I was incapable of conceiving of a world in which that person could hurt me. And I know that sounds insane and 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 completely unobjective or subjective. Not I don't even know how to say one that. of those words. One of those words. <laughs> but Jews, it, it audience completely it completely flies in the face of of, of logic and. Well, I I'll crazy. tell you something. I'll tell you something. I've been going through. I found some journals that go back further than the ones that uh, I had that I thought were all the ones that I had. Mm-hmm. by years and reading through them some of them um are during a phase of infatuation and it's been rough 
reading that stuff of a younger me, like completely infatuated with someone and just reading it and going, dude, you're so blind. <laughs> yeah. Your head is so far up your ass that you're looking at the inside of your lungs. <laughs> and oh, I don't know. That was an, that's another interesting topic to talk about sometime. Is, is going back and seeing those past versions of yourself. <laughs> it's Yeah, but it's so easy to lose sight of that, though, you know? I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing from it that'll make you laugh. <laughs> There's one part in there, I think this is when I was just starting to have anxiety for the first time. And I said something about like, uh, whoa, I just had some anxiety or something like that. And my pulse got up to 122. And when I read that, I laughed out loud <laughs> so hard because there was a part of the older, more mature me who had been through way worse. That was like, 122, kid, that ain't shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it goes way higher than that. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's a weird experience. Wow, this has been a heavy episode. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be heavier. I'm realizing that that's kind of the zone... When we, we we play around, even like Tom and I end up getting very very deep, but that's fine. I'm I'm more interested in talking about deep things than trying to be funny. Yeah, I'm sure. Very funny. Yeah, but I can talk about deep things and be completely wrong, but still talk about them. Oh, let's. Uh, you already did your challenge. Let me look over. Oh, action items. Muse robot. Check. Uh. Words with weapon video, check. Post picture of you and your mom, check. Okay, here it comes, Lamb. Did you watch an episode of Kidding? Nope. <laughs> it's so bad without Mark. I did. Well, I couldn't. I could, it doesn't come with Prime, dude. No, it doesn't come with Prime, but it's free if you have Apple TV. Which I do not. Oh. Well... It was a pretty good show. I to the point where I was like, I might subscribe to it. it's Showtime. I'm still I'm I'm still shocked. Is it is it worth it just for that show? Is the real question? No, I don't think anything's worth anything for one fucking show. No, hmm. unless you're gonna unless you're gonna pay one month and just blaze through the show and then cancel. Maybe it'd be worth seven dollars. Yeah, cheaper than buying it. Um, well, there's two seasons, I guess. It's uh, what's what's really cool. I told you this, but the audience doesn't know this. Lamb and I are huge fans of Michelle Gondry, and neither of us were aware that he's the one doing this show. Mm-hmm. Michelle Gondry did Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind, um, Science of Sleep, Be Kind, Rewind. Unfortunately, he did the Green Hornet. <laughs> oh, I forgot that he did that. That's his like one misstep in his whole career. Everybody's got one. Yep. But it is a very interesting show. I don't want to go too into it since you haven't watched it yet, but it is essentially like Mr. Rogers, except imagine being Mr. Rogers and the rest of the world is the rest of the world, like it is now. Mm. And (laughs) it's funny and it's awkward and, yeah, it's dark. And I imagine it's going to get darker. Because the guy doesn't know how to deal with anger and everybody thinks he's a pussy. I have a feeling that at least the first season is going to be about him learning to be angry. Hmm. 
So, is it, so it's not, I, I, when I first saw stuff on it, I thought it was going to be more like a, uh, like an interview show. So I take it's an actual show show. No, yeah, it's a show show. It's, 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 he's playing a kids TV host. It starts with him on the Conan O'Brien show with, uh, what's his name? Machete. What's that guy's name? I don't know. Machete. I can't what remember his name right now. Anyways, it doesn't I, I matter. I used to know it. Um, I, whatever. I, yeah, I know who you're talking about. But it's a full adult dark comedy. Interesting. Like, uh, <laughs> he's got... Uh, now I have to look up the guy's name. Otherwise, I'm going to be a douche. Do, 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 do. Hold on there. Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. There you go. How, we- <laughs> how, weird, is, how weird is it, by the way, that... I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, I feel like... Jim Carrey's career has had a very clear narrative and it's mimicked his journey in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm totally making assumptions about this, of course, because I don't know Jim Carrey personally, but I feel like he's gotten progressively darker and deeper. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I think that's, that happens with most artists. And what happens is as you get more and more clout, you're able to do more and more serious things. Whereas when you're a young comedian, they just want you to be the clown. Ah, true. It was like, oh, that movie, that Ace Ventura movie was pretty funny. Here, here's the mask. Do this one. Um, and he's like, okay. <laughs> You're going to pay me a lot of money? Okay. Cool. But then as he gets older and he's like, I'm Jim Carrey. Like, I'm an older statesman. Mm-hmm. I want to do drama. Okay. Yeah, sure. and I can I can choose my projects now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lot of it. But yeah, like the, one of the parts in there, Danny Trejo is on the couch and he's wearing... Uh, a necklace, gold necklace, says P Hound. And uh, Jim Carrey's character, I can't remember his name, looks over and he goes, what's the P for? <laughs> so it's it's that kind of show. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took me a second to get that. In a way, in a way, it kind of reminds me of the tone of uh, Californication. Mm. So, recommended, checking it out. That was our action item. Moving on, moving on to my challenge. My challenge was to play with my self-portrait, which really sounds weird when you put it in that phrasing. Yeah. If I pause between self and portrait, it <laughs> becomes a completely different sentence. <laughs> Work on is probably more. <laughs> I didn't know. But I remember I was supposed to not use the word work. That's why. Oh, okay. Play around with my painting. How's that? Only a little better. Yeah. It just was to paint and enjoy it with no purpose. And I did a little bit. It's hard. It's kind of like with the novel when I talked about like realize I'd have to fix something. You're like, fuck, that's going to suck. Because it's like losing ground. And knowing that I have to paint over that eye, which is not what I did, mm-hmm. is not fun. Because... Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work of doing something that you already did. Sure. Um, do you have a do you have a challenge for this week? Because I have a I have a little bit of a spiel that I'm going to do about um, my Patreon. So I would like us to enjoy this challenge section a little bit first. Challenge? Do you have one? No, but you know what we we can do right now that I think would be interesting. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it. Let's talk ourselves into challenges. 
instead of just like sitting and thinking of it, like let's let's actually have a conversation to lead us to our challenge. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Because what I think is really valuable that I think we should stay, and you can, as this is a conversation, I want you to tell me what you think of this. Last week, we said that our... We, you know, I, I loved that episode, by the way, even in re-listening to it. I've heard it three times. That might be one of my favorite episodes of all time. Mm. But we talked about how we, we're going to use the challenges to push us, you know, to find that string between work and play. That sure. we're going that we last week's challenge, mine to play with the, the painting and for you to get the piano or our next action. If we're going to go with uh, GTD, you know, it was our next action in the goal to achieve this grander thing that we're talking about. So then I'd like to continue on that, that we'll keep moving along that, that same line. Like you, now you have a piano. What's your challenge beyond that? Now that you have that piano, you know, like what's your next action? Because I, I think we can, instead of like going lamb, just dive into your whole Patreon. Maybe we can just every week take one step closer to you getting where you want to be with the Patreon. Just doing one one challenge every week. Do you like sure. that idea? Yeah, I think I think I can manage that. I mean, that's that seems more logistically feasible and more forward moving. I think the, the 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 nature of them being random makes it harder for them to do versus having them achieve a larger goal. Speaking of, wow, fucking wraps around, doesn't it? Jeez, yes, um, it's really weird, and we don't plan that. That we totally don't plan that. Well, I think it's, um, it's more interesting to the audience to see it as a journey too. Like, oh, yeah, why do they do those challenges? Now you know why. Great, that's a great fucking idea, actually. So yeah, I would love to. Um. Yeah. Let's. Wow. That's that's an interesting one. Yeah. And now that I I've fought hard to get the stupid piano here. Um, I love this piano, by the way. It's a Wurlitzer, and it's like Art Deco. I, I may even just post a picture of it on the Instagram. You know what? I I'm gonna, I'm, gonna I'm posting a picture of this damn piano. Her name's Dolores, by the way. It's the first time I've named an instrument. Picture. I'm gonna put piano because I won't remember who Dolores is. I I have a suggestion, and see see what you think of this. It's your challenge, so it's completely your choice. I would like you to take your phone, turn it on to video, and give us a tour of the piano for your Patreon. Hmm, okay. Record it. Go, here's the new piano I have. You know, like, uh, tell us all the things that you know about it. And then open it up, show us the inside, and let us hear what it sounds like. That would be really cool. Yeah, it's also uh, one of those pianos, uh, since it was made before the 1960s, um, it uses a lot of old wood. So it's heavy as all balls. Like it took up... Old wooden balls. It was hard to move. I had to help the piano movers. Yeah, wooden balls. Um, It took... took, I had to help the piano movers um, to move this thing because it was so heavy. Um, And it also has like an art deco-y kind of design style. So I'm thinking about like eventually refinishing it myself too as well. Um, but you can't lift the lid like you can on normal piano. So I literally have to take apart the front of the piano to show you, mm-hmm. show you its guts. Well, actually her guts. Um, I want this piano to have a personality because no piano I've ever owned in my life. And I've owned a few, um, have ever had a name or a personality. I want this one to have a very, very clear and defined personality. Mm-hmm. I know that's a weird one, but for some reason I want, I want this one to have an identity. Well, I think that the best way to do that would be to introduce her to your Patreon. To sure. you know, it's it, uh, an important thing to remember with the Patreon that I've learned that took me a while. I'm, I'm not sure if you're caught in this mindset. This is for everybody listening. 
when you're posting stuff, it's really easy to think that Patreon is like Instagram, where like you're posting and people are only going to see it today. Mm-hmm. In reality, you're creating a library. So you could have zero patrons, but what you create today is something they're going to see once they become a patron. Sure. And that could be a really good introductory video. Like, here's the piano. And this is the thing that you're going to see. This is Dolores. And you're going to see me making a lot of music with her. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know. That's that's my possibility. You don't have to choose that, but I think it's a good idea to do. Yes, yeah, that's also a good one. I'll make a, I'll make a video introducing her to the world. Like, I'm really proud of that piano. Um, it's tough to get her. Um, and so that I feel like the journey of that, like all of the other pianos I've had in my life, like my childhood piano was already there. My parents got it. Uh, the piano I had after that was um, an old friend who was trying to get rid of his piano. So I just basically paid to have it moved. The piano after that was Crystal's piano. Um, this piano I had to find and test. And, and I tested quite a few pianos. And this is the one that I ended up choosing. So this is the one that's mine. You know what I mean? Well, you know what you can do too is hold off on the photo of Dolores until after you've made the video and posted it. Because then in the post, you can say, here's a photo of my new piano, Dolores. Mm-hmm. If you want to see a whole introductory video on her, become a patron on my Patreon. Yeah, maybe. It's a good way to connect the two. Yeah, true. Okay, so since I kind of suggested a challenge for you, I think that you should maybe try to give one to me. What's my next step? Um, you know, like uh, all work and no play. So what's my next step? How do I get better to... How do I get closer to balance? Um, ooh, here's a fun one. Um, I want you to kind of Simpsons slash Warhol yourself. And I would like you to draw three to five cartoonish or sketch sketch for you choose the medium and you choose the style but i want you to draw yourself as various superheroes draw myself but like serious portrait style (laughs) like you as batman or you as the flash or whatever it may be like my steve buscemi batman yeah exactly but you i would prefer them if if i had a choice i'd rather you do one that's more serious than six that are not serious okay so minimum of one, if I decide to do more, I will. Yeah. Okay. There's, that's, a, that's a fun one. And that's completely playful. Okay. So my Patreon... Oh, by the way, I'm introducing this to the end of episodes too. If you guys made it this far in the episode, I'm assuming you enjoyed it. <laughs> we went some places. <laughs> that's a pretty, pretty big assumption, dude. Yeah. If you made it this far, you must have enjoyed it. So now would be the time to hit the star in Overcast. We really need you guys to hit those stars because we want to get back on the arts charts. We've been off of that chart for so long. Well, we're not really off of it. We're like just below what it counts. So let's move up there. There's some great shows that we're ranking against. And unfortunately, there's also some shows in there. Like I look at them, I'm like, that's not an arts show. Mm-hmm. Sure. What are you going to do? Hit the star, please. Okay. Oh, uh, if you guys would like to follow me on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Holy Fool Productions. And what I wanted to do the spiel on this was, I've mentioned before that I had all of my tiers and all of my, my patron tiers all got the same thing. And then I didn't have names for them. They were just named for the monetary amount. 
you know, like a $1 tier was called the $1 tier. <laughs> Super original. And I've mentioned, I've mentioned before that I really want, I, I really want the Patreon to focus on my writing. Not only, you know, there's other things that'll be on there. Latte just woke up. The reason that I want to focus on the writing on there is not only because I have this skill that I would like to share beyond being able to write things, because I like to teach. I have these skills. There's a good symbiosis there. But I also think it's really important for everything that I do to have a separate identity or a separate aim where they can be conducive to each other, but at the same time, they have their own focus. Because without that, things get really messy. And then that's how I get disorganized. You know, so knowing that, oh, I have... This is about writing. Where do I put that? I don't have to think about that. Like, this is about writing. That goes in my Patreon. Oh, this is a random fact. That goes in the newsletter. Oh, this is a really interesting concept. Put it on a card. Save it for an episode of the podcast. Being able to classify things like that is really important for me. It's not all I'm going to do on there. But it's what I would like to start doing more of. So with that in mind, I suddenly came up with names for tiers. And then with the names for tiers, all of a sudden I started realizing that each level does get something different because there are things that I want to do, but I couldn't open... (laughs) You'll understand when I tell you this. They are. (laughs) There are certain things that I didn't want to open up for everybody that's only paying $1. It's not worth my time for $1 because some of the things on here are labor intensive. And if I had like a thousand fans that's paying a dollar, there's no way I could do this for a thousand people. Mm. So the tiers are... The first tier is the reader tier. And the reader tier, as you can imagine, what does the reader tier get? Access to the feed. You can read all the patron-only posts. And that's the $1 tier. Then we have the writer tier. And the writer tier obviously gets access. Every every one of these includes the stuff that comes before. That went on to say it again. In in addition to what you get with the previous tier, you also get priority questions. So either questions for this show or questions for my Patreon specifically about writing. Um, obviously, if you're not a patron, you can't ask the writing questions <laughs> because you wouldn't be able to read the posts. Sure. But if you have questions for this show and you're a patron, I'm going to move you to the top of the pile. So that's priority for those people. And the next tier is the editor tier. The editor tier gets everything from the previous two, plus they get this feature that I'm calling writing consultation. And what writing consultation is basically, are you writing something and you're having problems with it? You can submit to me, limit of one per month, a one-page or less section of whatever you're working on. Tell me what you're having problems with and I will give you a writing consultation on what I would do to fix whatever is the problem or what I would do to change it or you know, whatever. Basically, it's like you're handing me a piece of paper and I'm taking a red marker to it. Mm-hmm. And then the last tier, this is the big tier. Um, this is the publisher tier. The publisher tier gets all of those things. Plus, they are going to get a personal thank you in one of these episodes. Not one of them. They, as long as they are a publisher, they will get thanked in episodes. Um, not in the guest episodes because that's just weird to do to the guest. 
Plus, they will get a signed copy of my limited edition uh, first book of poetry, Erectile Dysfunction. Hmm. So that's the big news on the Patreon. And I'm feeling really good about that because I like those tiers. I think those are interesting. I, would, I've, um, I might add more stuff as I come along, but right now I'm really happy with those. Now I just have to start working on that. Slanting. Yeah, cool. And because of that, I did not make any new posts this week, which I didn't realize until right now. <laughs> <laughs> because I rewrote the whole description of it. I rewrote the tiers. I put images up for the tiers. I was working on the Patreon, but I wasn't obviously working on content. So I think this week I'm going to have to work a little bit harder. Anyways, that's my spiel. Lamb, where can they find you on Patreon? Uh, Patreon.com slash the Say that again, you cut out. The vacant room. Um, they can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash the vacant room. And on social media, they can find me at the vacant room um, where I will still be uh, handling all complaints about the show. Um, but now please direct them to random badassery versus uh, me personally. No, don't don't send them there either. Only thing we accept in DMs is questions. <laughs> <laughs> we don't accept complaints. You know what the best thing you can do with a complaint is not listen yeah. to the show. I, I feel like I feel like that's a reasonable thing. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't you know, if I don't like a movie, I just don't watch it again. Terrible thing to do at the end of an episode. Tell people not to listen. If you guys want to follow Tom on Patreon, you can follow him at patreon.com forward slash Tom Woodrum. And his social media Instagram is sir.beardo. But of course, the one you should really be following is at random badassery, both on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is focused mostly on this show and visual aids to accompany it. You can also DM us questions, as I just mentioned. And one last, one last try at the end of this. Uh, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you've been thinking in your head, hmm, I should do that one day. Today's the day. So, bye-bye, babies. Bye. <laughs>